Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Can I take this moment to encourage you guys? Is there a ministry God has called you to that you would fulfill it? You're sitting here and you're like, man, I know God has called me to be this or to do this, or I have this gift or this ability. I have this thing that I want to use for God, but I'm just kind of sitting on it, waiting until I get old and crusty. Don't do that. Use it for the Lord now. Surrender it to God now. All you have is right now. Every Christian has a gift, at least a gift. We want to use that gift for the Lord's glory. There was years where I would sit in service, but I knew I was called to do this. If you have ever missed an opportunity to serve or waited for the right time to partner with an organization, then Pastor Bill is encouraging you today to stop waiting. He says that every one of us has at least one gift to give. Even if you don't know what yours is yet, You should take the opportunity to work on a project and find out if it's the right one for you. In time, you will find that you're more fulfilled and have a growing confidence in your faith. More importantly, you will grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians chapter 4. As he continues his message, a few final words. Barnabas says, hey, let me bring my little nephew with me. Get him groomed up for the ministry. And they went on the mission field and Mark didn't make it. Mark chumped out somewhere along the way. I don't know if he said, there's too many mosquitoes or this is boring or whatever it was. He didn't do good on the mission field and he went back home. And so when Paul and Barnabas were getting ready to go on their second trip, Barnabas said, hey, let's bring them again. And Paul said, absolutely not. not. He was not a blessing last time. He ain't coming back. And we see there's a difference in Paul and Barnabas. I don't think the difference is bad. I think the difference is probably necessary. Paul was about the work and Paul knows, you know what? I I don't want no extra weight. When I'm going to do a work, I need people that can do the work with me. Barnabas is more that one-on-one guy. Barnabas named me son of encouragement. Throughout his ministry, you saw him take guys one guy at a time. When the church didn't want to receive Paul, Barnabas was the one that said, guys, he really did get saved. When Mark failed in the mission and Paul wouldn't take him, Barnabas says, I'll stay back and minister to him. Well, as Barnabas stayed back and ministered to Mark, Mark got better. As Paul went to do the work, the work did expand. So both ministries were successful. But here is what God does is beautiful. Later on, Paul now looks at Mark and says, that brother's useful for the ministry. Why is he useful? Because Mark stayed back and ministered to him. And so while he wasn't useful then, he is useful now. And so there is a a healing and a restoration that took place between these two. And I want to just say this, how important it is that people, the brothers and sisters in Christ that have had fallen outs, that they be reconciled as much as possible. If you have fallen out with somebody and it's in your power to reconcile or heal it or have it made right, I think we should seek to do that. The Bible says that we want to, we want as much as it's within us, we want to have peace with everybody. And so if you got some Christian, you know, some beef, some ministry thing that's just looming, you know, I just you don't want to have that kind of smoke with the body of Christ. These are believers. So if there's something you could do to heal it, you want to do that. And so Paul gets this thing right. Paul says, hey, also Mark, the cousin of Barnabas and Paul had given instruction that if he comes, receive him. I wonder if Paul had to give that instruction because they were like, no, Paul don't, Paul not good with Mark. Paul said, look, 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 we're good now. If he shows up, receive him. I said so in my name. And so I think Paul had to give the extra instruction because they had previously had the little falling out. But he says, who you've received instruction, if he comes, welcome in verse 11. And Jesus, 
who is called Justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God that are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. So this guy, it says his name is Jesus, but he goes by Justice. Can you imagine why? At that era, you know, you probably didn't want to be the, no, 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 no. Don't call me Jesus. Like, this. just call me Justice. The name, though, Jesus or Justice, it was the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew name Joshua. It was a very common name at the time. And again, more than likely, he was called Justice just to differentiate himself. Didn't want to have people thinking he was trying to call himself Jesus, you know, Jesus the Christ or whatever. And so I, I believe that's probably why that was, why he had this nickname, this other name. In the same way that if you had the name Judas, you was calling yourself, any, man, I'm Jude. You know, I'm, just call me Jay. You know, but you dropping that Udas off of your name right away. That's, that's, we're not going to be going by that no more. So these all men were that were converted Jews and had been with Paul. And so Paul identifies them as such. He said, these guys were, they proved to be a comfort to me. Once again, as I challenge you to consider who your friends are, do you have friends that are encouraging you in the Lord? Or do you have friends that are pulling you away from the Lord? And it makes a big, it's a big deal. Do y'all know it's a big deal who your friends are? If you're a note taker, I want you to write down some note truth. I'm gonna give you about five verses. I want you to write them down. If you, if you wonder if it's, if it matters who your friends are, I want you to write these verses down and have them for future reference for yourself. All right. Let me know when y'all ready. Y'all ready to write these down? All right. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. Proverbs 12, 26 says the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked will lead him astray. So Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked will lead him astray. Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. He said, if you walk with wise men, you will be wise as well. But if you're the companion of fools, fools in the Bible are those who know God's word and don't do it, know what God says, but won't obey it. If you're the companion of fools, you'll be destroyed. The next verse is Amos chapter three, verse three. Amos 3, 3, it says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? And the answer is you can't. You can't walk together unless you're in agreement about where you're going. If you leave church today and somebody says, I'm going to Santa Monica and somebody else says, no, I'm going to Compton. Y'all can't go together because you can't get to Compton and Santa Monica. Y'all, somebody going to make a Somebody going to have to change routes and go the other way. So two can't walk together unless they be agreed. I got two more. Second Corinthians chapter six, verses 14 through 18. Second Corinthians six, 14 through 18 says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And that's a group of rhetorical questions. What fellowship have righteousness with lawlessness? None. What communion has light with darkness? None. What accord has Christ with Balao or Satan? None. What part has a believer with an unbeliever? None. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? None. Then he says this, for you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. And I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God almighty. One more. First Corinthians five, verse 11. Speaking about those that say they, how many of y'all know people say they're Christians 
But then you can tell how they live and that they're not really Christians. Okay? It's a difference. Somebody says, oh, I'm a Christian. But you look at that light, it's like, mm-hmm. that's not what the Bible said. Anyway, so 1 Corinthians 5, 11, for those folks, it says this. But now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother, says they're a Christian, who is sexually immoral, covetous, an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Now, it's not saying if they're a non-believer, but if somebody is faking the funk saying, I'm a Christian, I am a born again, and they live in an ongoing rebellion, God says, pull away from them. Back up from that before you be living a fake life too. Ain't nothing worse to God but than a fake. If you want to see the harshest words in the whole Bible from Jesus Christ, it was to the Pharisees, those who God said were spiritual fakes, that they put on a show. They put on externally what they're not really living on the inside. God hates that. God would rather you be real and weak than to be pretending to be strong. Amen? So once again, it's important who our friends are. It's important that we, we make wise decisions, you guys. Who are your friends? Who are you hanging out with? Who is there to encourage you, strengthen you, build you up? And again, none of this is to beat you up or put you down, but it's to cause you to maybe reconsider. You know what? I need to look at that. That's a part of my life I need to work on. And that's why we're here. We'll have fellowships and different things where you can plug in. Hopefully you can make some new friends and people that encourage you and strengthen you in your walk with the Lord. Like Paul was surrounded by people that were an encouragement for him to be the man God had called him to be. And I think that's what we want to surround ourselves with. We still can be a light and a witness to everybody else. But my friendships are different from people that I'm trying to to have an impact on or be a witness to. Uh, Moving on now, look at verse 12 and 13. We have Epaphras. Um, It says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayer, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. So this man Epaphras is a native of Colossae. He was constantly remembering the believers there in his prayers, asking God for them that they would stand perfect and complete. And so Paul is saying, look, I want y'all, if y'all didn't know, Epaphras, is, he gets it in. He'd be praying for y'all. y'all. Y'all don't even know about it. He's on his face for you guys. He's praying fervently for you guys. And so I wonder if these guys knew their names would be in the Bible for all eternity for what they've done. I don't think they did it for that reason, but their names ended up here. Some other people's names end up in the Bible for some stuff that they should be ashamed of, right? They're written for all eternity. But these guys' names are written down as those who Paul says, hey, these are my bros. These are the guys that were that were sharing the burden with me. Moving on, look at verse 14. We get Dr. Luke. Uh, it says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. So there's a contrast between these two guys, right? Luke was faithful. Luke traveled with Paul. It's believed that Luke did a lot of the writing for Paul because Paul had eye issues and other health problems. We believe that Luke ministered to Paul both physically and spiritually during his times of sickness, imprisonment, and otherwise. And so Luke is listed here. But Demas is a guy that's listed in a more of a shameful way. Demas had gone with the apostle for a while, but it was necessary at last for the apostle to to say of him. Later on, Paul says this in 2 Timothy about Demas. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, Paul says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. 
So while everybody else, Paul is saying, look, this guy praying, this guy rolled with me, this guy's carrying letters, this guy's a faithful brother. Demas, who is with Paul here, Demas greets you, he says. Well, later on in 2 Timothy 4, 10, it says, man, Demas pilt out. Demas left you having loved this present world. He, he left and went to Thessalonica. This is a reminder to us, you guys, that we want to continue with the Lord, Right. You want to finish well. You don't want to go a little while for the Lord and then we find that you're out and about doing whatever. We got to continue with the Lord. This is for life. This is not the sort of thing you want to do for a month or two and then bounce. If there's a relationship with the Lord, this should be for life. This shouldn't be something that we bounce in and out of. And so, but Demas was one of those guys. He was in, then he was out. When he went on, he just went on. He went on to Thessalonica. We really don't know what happened from there with him. The end of verse 15 now, it says, greet the brethren who were in Laodicea and Nymphos and the church that is in his house. So all we really know about this man, Nymphos, is that there's a church in his house. He had a house church and we don't know anything else about that. We know that as these letters are being taken to Laodicea, we know from the book of Revelation, what ended up happening to the church in Laodicea? What happened to them? They became what? They became the lukewarm church. That was the church where Jesus said, you know, you guys say that you are are rich and wealthy and have need of nothing. But I say that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. He also said of them that as they didn't realize their own nakedness, that they had become like lukewarm, that God would spew them out of his mouth. And so whatever happened in Laodicea, the messages that were taken to them must not have taken. Because later on, by the time we see the review of them in the book of Revelation, We see that they didn't carry through. This is a reminder that just because we hear it don't mean that we're going to walk in it. Right. When I think of church, I think of like in a school setting, you can have 30 kids in a classroom hearing all the same lectures and all the same stuff. And some of them get it and some of them don't. Some of them do the work. Some of them don't. Some get A's and some of them fail. Everybody does with it what they will. Church is the same way. You got people sitting in the same church hearing the same message over the same period of time. One person's hearing it in faith. Life is being transformed. Never be the same. Somebody else heard all the same stuff and have made a single difference in their life. Be careful that the word that we're hearing is always mixed with faith and obedience. God, I believe what you're saying. And now give me strength to obey, to transform, to be what you're showing me in the word that I'm supposed to be. Two more uh, verses, 16 and 17 now. It says, now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So we don't really know what the epistle from Laodicea. Some people argue that it's it may actually be the book of Ephesians. We really just don't know. So it doesn't really make sense to go into it. But he wanted him to read these letters when they got there. The important thing that we would note is this, that when the church got together, what did God want them hearing? His word. That's important. When we come together as a church, why we make a a big emphasis on the word is because that's what we're supposed to do when we get together is get into the word. That's what God wants. God said, when you guys get there, read them the word, read them these letters that have been written for their edification. Now, verse 17, it says, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. So something about this guy, Archippus, there was a ministry that he had received from the Lord and he's being encouraged that he would fulfill it. Fulfill the ministry that you've received. We don't know what his ministry was, but like Timothy, who needed to be encouraged, Archibus also was being encouraged that whatever the ministry that God had given him was, that he would fulfill it. 
Can I take this moment to encourage you guys? Is there a ministry God has called you to that you would fulfill it? You're sitting here and you're like, man, I know God has called me to be this or to do this. Or I have this gift or this ability. I have this thing that I want to use for God, but I'm just kind of sitting on it. Wait until I get old and crusty. Don't do that. Use it for the Lord now. Surrender it to God now. All you have is right now. Every Christian has a gift, at least a gift. We want to use that gift for the Lord's glory. There was years where I would sit in service, but I knew I was called to do this. And I would be praying, God, how do I, you know, how do I do this? Give me opportunities. Show me where to go. That was a constant prayer that God would show me how and where. Where am I supposed to teach the word at and to whom? If I look backwards, I was always teaching the word somewhere. It may have been in a living room. I did Bible studies in a living room at my mom's house. I did Bible studies in my own living room in my apartment. I did Bible studies in at the youth facility when I worked with juvenile hall kids. I did Bible, wherever I was, I had a Bible and somebody was going to get a study. Wherever you are, right, let the Lord use you now. Let God, whatever it is he's called you to do, whatever that gift is or gifts are, Man, use it. Use it for the Lord. Take heed to the ministry you have received and fulfill it. Final verse, verse 18. Paul says, this salutation by my own hand, Paul. And this is what he asked him. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Why does Paul want them to remember his chains? I believe a couple things, right? Paul said, look, he's, never, he's not crying. He's not making a pity party. But he said, hey, guys, remember. Don't forget me. Remember my chains. Remember that I'm in chains for the gospel. Remember that it costs something to be about this life. Remember that it may be costly to do what God has called you to do. Remember my chains. Maybe you also wanted them to remember him in prayer and to be mindful and prayerful about him. But I definitely believe one of the purposes is that they would remember that it's possible that you could do everything God called you to do and end up in a bad situation. There's a version of Christianity today that says, if you just love God, everything's going to be perfect. The sky's going to be blue. You're going to get the job that you want, the relationship that you want. Everything's always going to go your way. Do y'all know that the Bible never says that? That is a lie. And so imagine that a Christian believes that. How disappointed they're going to be when they don't get the promotion, when the relationship goes bad. When they car get a flat tire and they're supposed to have favor all day because they gave a special offering or something like that. You know, there's some bogus stuff out there that we got to be careful about. It is very possible that you do everything God wants you to do and still go through some rough stuff. Paul has done everything God called him to do and he's in prison. He said, remember that, guys. Remember where I'm at. Remember why I'm here. Serving God, being faithful, honoring God. Our party is later, y'all. Amen. We're going to celebrate. We're going to turn all the way up. But our party is not here. Where is it? It's there. It's when we get to be with him. So don't look for it now. If you get some, you know, you get some special moments now, thank God for them. Thank you, Lord. That was sweet. I enjoyed that. But know that our time is coming. Our hope is not in this life. We're passing through this place. Our hope is eternal. And we want to live in such a way that when we get there, we got something to celebrate about. We got something. We've sown up ahead those things. And so... As we end this book, Paul says, remember my chains. And he says, grace be with you. Always in Paul's letters, the grace and the peace. But here he says, grace, charis, the grace of God, just the undeserved, unmerited favor of God upon you guys. Grace be with you. Amen. The agreement. I agree. As we close this up, I say the same thing to you guys. Grace be upon you guys. God's love 
mercy is unmerited goodness and favor. May it be upon you. May you know it. May you understand the grace of God. May, we, may you know this, that you never had to be good enough because God is gracious, that God is good enough for you. May his grace be upon you. And may we take what we're learning and get out there and live it out loud for Jesus' glory. Amen. All right, let's pray, you guys. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these lessons and the examples that we're getting. Lord, as we prepare now to remember you in communion, God, we do give thanks. We ask for your strength upon us. God, I pray for every believer here that, Lord, you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon our lives, that you would give us strength that is not our own, that we might live for you, that we might honor you with our lives. Lord, help us. Help us to be the men and women that you died on the cross that we could be. And as we prepare now for communion, God, I pray for if there are any that need to come to you, return to you, enter into relationship with you. God, I pray you would move in our midst in that way now that you would draw them to yourself. I'm going to ask this as we get ready for communion. Communion is something that is, is specifically for believers. It's a time where we remember what Christ did for us, the broken body and the shed blood. And so I want to explain why we do communion, what it means, and then we're going to all partake of it together. But before we do that, I want to give an opportunity. There may be people here today that are not yet in a relationship with Christ. Maybe you've never surrendered to the Lord. Maybe you've never had your sins forgiven. And for you, today is the day of salvation. You want to begin a relationship with the Lord or you want to return to the Lord. Or maybe some that are watching want to do that. I want to pray for those today that that's your desire. And so I'm going to just ask right now, I want to give a few moments. If you're here, if you're listening. If God is speaking to your heart and you know that you need to come to Christ or maybe, you know, for you today, you need to return to the Lord. Can I invite you to raise your hand just acknowledging that God has spoken to you and that you you want to receive what he is offering you today? Is there anybody here? God bless you in the back. Anybody else? I bless you. Anyone else that God is speaking to you today that you should return to the Lord, that you should come to Christ? God bless you. God bless you guys. Wonderful. There isn't anything more important, you guys, that we'll ever do in this life than give our life to Christ, receive his forgiveness. Anybody else, you're here and God is speaking to you. God bless you, bro. I see you, man. Wonderful. There's no shame in this, you guys. There's no shame in saying, God, you died on the cross to forgive me and I want to be forgiven. There's no shame in that. Anybody else before we pray, God is speaking to you today. Anybody? All right. We're going to pray out loud. And this is what we're going to pray. It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we know that we're sinners. We know that Christ died in our place and that he rose from the grave and he overcame sin, death and Satan. And as you now confess that you believe that message and you are confessing Jesus to be your Lord, God promises that he will save you. He will come live inside you and begin a relationship with you today. So this is why we do communion. I always want to explain it so that it doesn't become some vain, empty thing that we do. We do it, one, because Jesus told us to. On the night that Jesus was going to be betrayed by Judas, he did something that we often look at the picture and call it the Last Supper. But it was the last time he would sit with all the disciples. Even Judas was present. And it says that Jesus sat at that supper and he took bread. He blessed, he broke it, he blessed it. 
And he passed it out to the disciples and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And essentially, Jesus was giving us his own memorial. He was saying, look, prophetically, my body is going to be broken for you. And I want you to remember what I did for you. And every time we take communion, we're taking a moment to just stop and remember that Jesus Christ's body was broken for us. Amen. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. As the Apostle Paul urged the members of the Colossian Church to remember fully that they were saved by the blood of Jesus and that their lives should reflect that. The same goes for you and me. If we have said that we believe in Jesus and what He did for us, then there is a practical side to living out our faith. We have the opportunity to set an example through our obedience to Him. In other words, are you letting God lead you every day? Are you giving up control on how your life should be in your home, in your workplace, in the world? Friends, through this yielding, there will spring a deeper desire for more of Jesus. And our prayer is that your relationship with Him will grow every day. Care to know how? You'll find all the information you need on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Just click on the Know Jesus tab. Here it is again, calvaryinglewood.org. For more personal contact, feel free to call or text us at 310-245-4811. We would love to encourage you more in your daily walk with Jesus. So please, pick up that phone and dial 310-245-4811. A Transforming Word is a ministry from Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, out of Inglewood, California. This concludes the time we have for today, but we're so grateful you took the time to listen to this issue with Pastor Bill. We'll be back again to share with you more on A Transforming Word.